let me jump in today on what I'm going to be sharing and talking about, and it's really a reflection of on this particular Father's Day. It is a reflection, and if I were going to give it uh, some, if I were going to define it a little bit better, I would say it is the it is a tale of two. It is a tale of two fathers, and. I don't really know how this is going to unfold today, if I'm being completely honest, because this is more of a, of a story that is personal to me. Um, some of it, some of you are aware of, uh, parts of it, many of you, probably most of you certainly are watching online are unaware of. But uh, I'm going to share in brief today, not all the details, um, a pathway and why sometimes the pathways that we question might indeed not be a pathway to be questioned, but instead a pathway to be embraced. And I encourage you today to hear what I'm saying and know this, I'm a sentimental guy. I know that most people that know me, I, I might not come across as a sentimental guy. I'm a very sentimental guy. My feelings go deep. Um, I have a lot of celebration and uh, emotion tied with what I'm going to share you, with you today. There's emotion that is in that. There's celebration that is in that in light of what today is. So I want to share with you this uh, story uh, this morning of two tales and uh, the outcome of each of those. And I want to begin today by asking you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Please turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. I want to begin with the first constitution. And I said that right. So if you're watching online today, I want you, I want to thank you, first of all, for being present with us. As much as I am thankful for those who are gathered with us in this building, I'm also thankful that you are watching online today. I encourage you to follow along. For those of you that are watching that are part of my family personally, my immediate family, or extended, and you know some of the details of which I'm going to be sharing this morning, my encouragement to you is to receive. Um, there's probably pieces you're unaware of. Uh, it's irrelevant. What's relevant today is where we're headed, not where we've been. So focus on that today. Um, I want you to know today that the stories that I'm going to share are meant to help you and me come to a place where we do exactly what we sang about a moment ago, and that is to be free in the glory of God, to be liberated in the glory of God, and to not be bound by those things that sometimes we get so entrapped by. It holds us prisoner even when we try our best to convince ourselves that we have no shackles. I encourage you today to embrace what the Father wants to do in the fathers and in this generation this morning. Can you say amen? amen? So in Genesis 18, it reads like this. It says, For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what? And so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Let me read it again. For I've chosen him, being Abraham. This is the father speaking. Let me give you a little background on this story before I read this again. So at this point in time in Abraham's life, 
He is about to find out, he and Sarah are about to find out, one, that they are going to have a child in their ripe old age. They're going to find that out. At the same time, they're going to find out that the father is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. So on one hand, they get the news, we're going to be parents, which comes with some disbelief. I won't go into all the details of that, but go, there's some disbelief between them uh, that is manifested. But in the middle of that, news of reason to celebrate, the Father also lets them know, I'm going to destroy, give opportunity first. I'm going to look for a few good men. Uh, but if they're not there, I am going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so all of this is happening in the same time frame. And there are three people that show up before Abraham. He's out, let's just say he's tending the fire in front of the tent. And Abraham is out and about, and there's three people that appear in front of him. One of those, I believe, uh, different people will tell you different things, but I believe this for a lot of reasons, won't get into it today, but let's just say um, it's right. And that three people appeared to Abraham on that day. One of them was Jesus Christ. Two of them were angels. The two angels that appeared with Christ, with Christ happened to also be the two angels that visited Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, they left Abraham. If you, if you read all of Genesis 18, 19, you'll find they left Abraham and went to Sodom and Gomorrah to begin to judge them. So, But first, they brought to Abraham and to Sarah the news, you are going to be parents and that the Father has chosen you. Now, while Christ and the angels are standing before Abraham, he's in awe by their presence, and they hear the Father saying to Christ and the angels, they, He hears them say, I have chosen Him, Abraham, so that He may command His children and His household after Him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what the Father has spoken about him. I'm going to make you, Abraham, the father of many nations. Your seed will be immeasurable in the same way that the sands of the seashore cannot be counted by man. In that way, this is what I'm, I am promising you. I'm putting the whole, all the pieces together for you. So the father speaks, he declares, he identifies Abraham, says, you have been counted worthy. I have found among men a man that is capable, willing, has the fortitude and the passion and the willingness and the shoulders and the strength and the mindset to raise up a generation that will follow after me. I have found among men someone we cannot for a moment think that God didn't know other men. He made every one of them. But I have found among men one. Everybody say, He found one. So let's look at this story. And again, I don't know how all of this is going to unfold, so just travel with me on this little journey we're about to take. So he speaks these words at the same time that they're learning that they're going to be parents. And they're shocked. 
And Sarah doesn't believe it. And Abraham is caught up in the moment. And there's some uncertainty whether it's even possible. What about our age? And, but the father doesn't care. In fact, I believe the father sent Christ and the angels to stand before Abraham while he spoke it so that Abraham could see, and we'll read about it in a moment in Colossians, but so that Abraham could see the physical manifestation of God himself standing right before him and convince him these men did not come from nowhere. They were sent on assignment to identify and confirm in you that what I'm about to tell you, if I can send three people from nowhere, I can bring up a son in your ripe old age. So these were the words that were spoken at that time. And with the destruction of evil, God was choosing a man to raise up a people who would love righteousness and judgment. With all of that, He said, I need a man. Let's bring it to the current. I need some men who will raise up a generation not only in righteousness, but in, with justice. With justice. We know this, and this is, can be controversial, especially in the current conditions of our modern world and the world that is wrapped around all of us in this room right now. But we know this to be true. Never in history, never, not one time in history, has a picket Uh, a picket sign or mobs changed for eternity a moment. Maybe a day. Maybe a week. But never for an eternity. Because the Father did not breathe life into protests. He did not breathe His breath into mob rule. He did not breathe His breath into picket signs. To change the world around us. He breathed his breath into, and today I'm talking about daddies, into daddies to change the next generation. So let me say this about this. Let's go back in time. How far back do we want to go? Let's go back to Reconstruction. Let's go back to the time when slavery when all black people were emancipated. Can I go here? I'm going to, with or without your permission. We're going to go back to a time of emancipation. We're going to go back to a time when there was reconstruction. Now, there was wrong. All of that was wrong. Not the emancipation. Not the reconstruction. Even though it failed. wasn't wrong. But what happened before that, that led to that, that was wrong. Is it not interesting that Abraham Lincoln, I'm not going to get into all the history of it, and you can agree or disagree, I'm just telling you what facts are. Isn't it interesting that Abraham Lincoln happened to be a man whose father, somebody, sowed a seed of righteousness and justice in him where he didn't see the need to protest, he saw the need to make a difference with the decisions that he made. What would happen if in all of those white men 
And in all of those black men, in 1864, what would have happened in all of those men when this whole thing began to finally take fruition? What would have happened if a man like... Well, let's just do it this way. What would have happened if every father would have said, no matter what goes on around us when we walk out these doors today, there might be a white man standing in front of you, there might be a black man standing in front of you. But when we walk out the doors today, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, we are not of that. We are of a different spirit. We have not only been uh, changed, we are not only have been given opportunity, but we have the right, we have the assignment by the Father to change the next generation. See, the problem is the Father has found not enough men since then, and I'm only going back that far. I could go back way before. I could go back to the Jews. I could go back. I could go way. I could, I could go all the way back. I could go back to Israel and Egypt. I could go all, How much further back do you want to go? Pick any story you want to. I only pick that one because that's the one that's on everybody's mind today. That I'm really sick of hearing about. Because it's not going to change the way we're trying to change it. It's going to change when the Father says about Steve Parker and Archie Phillips and Tim Carney. In each of us in this room, it's going to change when the Father can say about the, us, I found a man and I have chosen. He, say, he used the word chosen. I have chosen you to raise up, to command. In fact, He said to command. In other words, to get in the face of those coming up behind you that you have authority over and to say, we don't do it that way. We do what we do through righteousness. We do what we do with justice. We don't do it because we march. We don't do it because we yell louder. We don't do it because we carry bigger guns. We do it because we have a different voice. And if the generations were changed then, we would not be in the pickle we're in today. If generations were changed then, we would not be dealing with what we're dealing with right now. Where am I going with all this? Somewhere. Just track with me. Said Abraham then, through generations, commanded and raised his children and household to do what? To keep the way of the Lord. Not to find fault with everybody around them. There's a lot of fault. Fault doesn't have color. Fault isn't red and yellow, black and white. Fault is disobedience. It's always disobedience. But he said, you command your children in righteousness and in justice to know the way of the Lord. Don't get caught up in everything else that you might know. Command them to know the way of the Lord. And when the moment comes, when crisis comes, because it will, when evil rises up, because it will, it does. When opportunity comes for you to sit back, it's coming. He said, you're going to know the way of the Lord and you're going to know the voice of God. And then God could only fulfill the promise that He gave to Abraham one way. And that was through His seed. 
I'm going to give you seed, Abraham, so that we don't have another Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to give you seed, Abraham, so that we don't have to deal with these issues any longer. I'm going to give you seed, and if you command them well, there'll never be another Sodom. If you instruct them well and raise them in the way of the Lord, there'll never be another moment like that. There'll never be another need to send angels to a town or fire from heaven to consume. If you'll do this. So here's my question. To every father, does the father find you faithful enough to entrust you with generations? Does the father find you, does the father find you or me faithful enough to command the next generation? I'm going to say something that might in some way sound insensitive. I hope that it doesn't. I'm going to try uh, to say it in a way that is received correctly because it's not true of every circumstance, but I'm certain it's true of some. Please, do not receive this as an insensitive comment. Receive this, just hear me. I believe that Abraham and Sarah could not have children until a ripe old age. Because before that ripe old age, they were incapable of commanding the next generation. And I believe that there are many people today, both in the church and out of, uh, in the kingdom and out of the kingdom, who have not been capable of having children because they're not yet ready to command them in righteousness and justice. It's not true of all, but it's true of some. And I don't, again, I don't mean that to sound insensitive. I'm going to say it again because it's important to me that those who have not yet had children, you understand there is a moment and there is a time. But when the father found Abraham and Sarah capable, when they had what was necessary to possess, the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I can trust you to have seed, not seed that will follow after Sodom, but seed that will follow after the way of the Lord. Does that make sense? There are some who have children... <laughs> Again, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm just trying to make this thing real. And this is as real as it can be. There are some folks who have children for checks. I'm going to have me another one, and I'm going to get me more money. My neighbor will take care of me. My mom and daddy will take care of me. The government will take care of me. It's getting quiet in here. There are some who have children. It was a mistake. It was an accident. It was a moment of lust. It is what it is. And then there are some who have children for destiny and future. Because they recognize. And there are none of us in this room that are free from the potential of any of those things I just spoke. Not one. 
Not one of us in this room, and, and dads, I'm talking to us today. We need to lay hold of the command that was laid upon you and me when God breathed breath into us. I want to share uh, a little bit of a story today, and you know parts and pieces of it, but I'm going to share the rest of it. So, not all of it, but just what's necessary in light of what I'm talking about today. And then we're going to, I'm going to help you see what, what can be. So, everyone, most everyone that knows me that's a part of this house or has been a part of this house for any length of time, more than seven years, the reason I say that is because my father that raised me passed away seven years ago, and I love him. Even this morning, I thanked him for being an amazing dad. I was on my way to the office, and I said, Dad, if you can hear me, I just want you to know, thank you for investing in one who didn't even belong to you, and yet you did. But everyone knows who my, you know who that man is, that have known me for any length of time, the man that raised me. But no one in here knows the man who is my biological father, with whom I was given also a biological brother. Neither of them have I spoken to since 1991. I didn't meet either of them until I was 18 years old. But I want you to meet them today. Would you put that picture up? So, on the left is my biological father, Harry Stevens. On the right is my biological brother, Harry Stevens, Jr. Each of them have their own story, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. And I want to honor and place honor today where honor is due. You can leave that picture up for a minute. Life is an interesting opportunity. It is simply an opportunity, interesting or not. An opportunity for us to be the glory of God in the earth. And when I, was, when I came into the earth, I don't remember coming into the earth. Um, I don't remember all that went along with that, the journey, the pathway, none of that. What I do recall is at 12 years old, finding out that the man whom I had called dad for 12 years was not my father. And I remember finding that out uh, under consequences that were, they weren't the best. And... When I found that out, my whole world collapsed on me. I mean, it felt like at 12 years old, as much as a world could collapse, it felt like the walls came down. And I recall sitting on that picnic table with the man who had raised me and asking him in the backyard of a house, a pink house of all things, on Averill Street. And I remember going to the backyard and saying to him, Dad, someone just said to me that you are not my father. And I still see the picture as vividly today as though it happened two minutes ago. And he immediately began to weep, walked me over to the picnic table, you know this part, walked me over to the picnic table, sat me down, and he said, it is true, I am not your dad, but I am your father. 
He said, I made a choice. I could have said, no, I will not raise you, or I will. And he said, I chose to raise you. But you do have a dad that is biological. And you do have a brother you've never met. He's three years younger than me. I'm 55. He would be 52. And if you'd like, I know right where they live and I'll introduce you to them. I'll take you to meet them. And I said, no, I don't want to. I was broken. All I knew was this was my father and he had invested everything in me and I was not interested and I didn't until I was 18 and then I had to know, will I have hair? <laughs> what color will it be? I'm told, I don't know if it's true, but that your hairline comes from your mother's side. It's good news for Steve. And, um, but uh, when I was 18, I had to know, who is he? And I met him, and I met Harry Jr. And I remember walking in, now there we don't look anything alike, I don't think. Um, he's a biker, I hate motorcycles. Um, <laughs> He looks mean. I think I'm one of the kindest looking people you'll ever meet. <laughs> but uh, I remember walking into the house when I was notified that they had arrived in Houston, Texas, and I was at work, and, and I was going to meet them for the first time, and I remember walking in and seeing both of them, and I remember looking at my brother and thinking, he look, it looks like I'm looking in a mirror. At that time, we looked exactly alike. The difference between that picture and me today is the path that we took. Your path will define your image. We'll get to that in a minute. So, when I, I met them, yada, 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 and then I want to tell you this. Time had passed. I went and I lived with this person. Uh, my biological father, I went and lived with he and my brother in another state for three months. In that three months of living with them to get to know them, I found, now I was not saved at that time, but I found that during that time, we were not anything alike. He was nothing like me and I was nothing like him. And I didn't mind getting to know him, but I didn't want to be a part of him. And in honesty, <laughs> you might not understand, he didn't want to be a part of me. So, but we tried for a few months. Through all of that confusion and what have you, I joined the military and went in trying to escape a lot of things, and you know that story, so we'll, come, we'll leave that one alone. Um, got out of there and just never felt the need to pursue anything. Every now and then he would call or I would call and we would chat, and that was pretty much it. But I'm, I remember going, when I went up there to see him, I was there for a few weeks, a couple weeks, two or three weeks, and he was right down the road from the man who raised me, and I never let the man that raised me know that I was there. And when I told him I was there, he was shocked that I would come to his neck of the woods and not even see him. I hadn't seen him in a very long time. And it crushed me, and it crushed him. All this is going somewhere that's happy. So... I think at some point, I don't know when, the timeline, but I remember this man calling me and his, he was he, just vile. 
His words, everything that came out of his mouth was vile. Everything that came out of his mouth was vulgar. And again, I wasn't even saved at the time, but it was everything was vulgar and it was vile. And then over the years, as I, when I did get saved and he would still reach out to me, or I would call him just to try to see if there was anything there, it was vile, it was vulgar, to the point where I finally had to say, I can't have this. I can't do this. We can't do this. And long story short, it, it was it. And then in 92, three days before my wife and I married, I received a letter, a three-page letter, certified letter in the mail in Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, from him. And everything in that letter was vulgar, vile, hateful. Um, part of it was addressed to me. Part of it was addressed to my wife. And he, he was saying, basically, in a nutshell, he was saying to my wife, Steve was an accident. He was a mistake. He should never be. He's a you know, just a lot of bad words. Just a lot of bad words. And he is this, and you're making the biggest mistake in your life. If you marry him, he is not a man of God. He thinks he's a man of God. God would have nothing to do with him. Just pay on and on. Three pages. Horrible. And I read that to my wife, and then that was it. She still married me three days later. <laughs> because she knew one he never got to know. And... And I struggled with that. I'm being real. I struggled with that. And as the years went on, I've told little pieces of the story as I've gone on, and I know that my mother is watching today, and I uh, let her know ahead of time that I was going to be sharing this. But as the years went on, um, I would think of each of them from time to time, even said before, I wish I could have carried on a relationship with my brother, but not the father. Because the brother contrary to what he looks like here, was very kind at that time. And um, when, just over the years, I began to consider this man. I began to consider the parts and pieces, and I would think about him from every now and then and wonder what he was doing. Even with all of that stuff, I would wonder, what's he doing? Not often, not very often at all. But every now and then. And then last November, we were getting ready for the anniversary here. And I was pulling out some videotapes. And finding some tapes because they had asked me for some old scenes of stuff. And I was pulling these videotapes out. And when I did, I found in there a videotape of my brother and his wedding. And I was actually at his wedding in 91. And I found this videotape of his wedding. And I wondered, why in the world do I have this videotape? of his wedding. So I asked my daughter to help me find them, and we could not find him, but we were able to find his wife on Facebook, and I just simply sent her a message and I said, um, would it, uh, I have a tape. If you're interested, if, you, if I have your wedding tape, don't know why I have it, don't know how I got it, um, but if you would like it, I'm more than happy to send it to you, I just need your address. She responded very quickly after that, was extremely thankful. It was the only copy, so they, she had not had that. And then I followed up that notice, and I said to her, I said, can you tell me what, uh, how Harry's doing, Junior? Can you tell me how he is? And she told me, she says, I'm sorry to tell you, but he was in the Special Forces in Iraq, 
And he came home from Iraq, and after all that he had done and all that he had seen, um, he never got past it and took his life in July of 2017. There was a sudden, it was like a vacuum sucked something out of me of a missed opportunity. This was just this past November. And um, so then I've thought about that often since. And then just over time, I, through that last six months, I kept thinking about this man. Do I really want to talk to him? Do I really want to reach out to him? I never even spoke to my wife about it, but do I really want to? Because there's, I don't know how, you don't know how to explain these things. Even with your own family, sometimes it's difficult. I've talked about it with no one. And, and I was trying to deal with these feelings of, a, on one hand, a, a, this is a tale of two fathers. One father who loved me without, it wasn't his responsibility, and one who, whose it was their responsibility and was complete abandonment. But I couldn't stop thinking about him, and I had forgiven him a long, long, long time ago, and no longer dealt with the anger that I dealt with at one time. The anger was gone, all of that was gone, because I used to be very angry at him, and where, where was he, all of this. And some of you are going to identify with what I'm talking about today. Some of you might not. But I had to bring closure to it. I knew in me, after what I found out about Harry Jr., I had to find some closure. So I reached out to her again just Tuesday, Monday, this past week. And I reached out to her again, and I said, Dana, I said, this is Steve Parker again. And um, don't know if you remember me, but... Um, just wondering, uh, can you tell me about Harry Sr.? Can you tell me anything about Harry Sr.? And she said, Steve, I'm sorry to tell you, but he died on December 1st this last, in 2019, six months ago, just a few months after I had spoken with her about the video. And that was like another, even though forgiveness was there, there was something that was sucked out of me. And I'm not sure I'm still completely over that moment. The, um, because I don't know why. But there was a responsibility of him to command this child. And he forfeited it to a man who could. The father saw fit. So what I wanted to do was to stand before him. And again, I had not spoken to my wife about this, but my intention was to do this. Had he still been living, I was going to go wherever he is. I didn't know he was in Virginia. I had no idea until last Monday, Tuesday. But I wanted to go wherever he was, and I wanted to stand before him. And I wanted to show him. First, tell him, first... I just want you to know I forgave you a long time ago. And two, do I look like the guy you wrote about in 1992? Do I look like the one that you professed me to be in 1992? And then I would have liked to have asked this, where do we go from here? It's irrelevant 
the time that has passed? Do you know that you have grandbabies? Do you know that you have a gorgeous, God-loving daughter-in-law that completely changed my world? What I know is I would have simply liked to have said to him, to his face, what happened in my heart. And that was, Harry Stevens Sr., I forgive you. But, this is a tale of two fathers on Father's Day of this year. And I can tell you while I've forgiven that man, I want to celebrate what it looks like when somebody accepts the responsibility that they were given to command a generation. And today I'm celebrating the man who raised me and gave me everything and I want you to celebrate the ones who formed and fashioned and commanded you. Whoever that daddy is, blood or not, I want you to celebrate the man who commanded you. Whoever he was, however close or however far, we're going to celebrate them today. Because I'm going to tell you, the man who raised me, Ibra Parker, when he spoke to me and he sat at that table and I disappointed him, what I know is everything, if there is anything good in me today, if there is one ounce of goodness in Steve Parker today, it grew out of the seed Ibra Parker sowed into me. It grew out of the seed that a man sowed into me to whom I did not biologically belong. But by responsibility, the father saw fit and he found an Abraham named Ibra. Found a man with a very odd name and said, I give you charge to command Steve Parker in such a way so that one day his voice can change another and their voice can change another and their voice can change another. Never have I been more proud to call Ibra Parker my dad than I am today. Never after this week am I more proud to say about a man who can't even hear my voice right now. Not in the natural. But to say about him, Dad, thank you, thank you, Thank you. You have commanded me in such a way that I live my life to the extent I know how to honor the Father in righteousness and justice every single day. Every day. And in Colossians chapter 1, there's a scripture that says this. Turn with me there if you would, please. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 in the New American Standard Version reads like this. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. He, Jesus Christ, everybody say Jesus Christ. He, Jesus Christ, is the image, everybody say image, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Likewise, daddies, our seed is the, invis- is the image of the invisible you when you're not there. We are to command our seed in righteousness and in justice so that in your absence you can still be seen. Are you hearing me this morning? You are not to command your seed or to have seed and then act like it's not there. You were not given seed simply to scatter it. You were given seed to be responsible for it. You were given seed to be a voice into it. To raise them up so that they recognize the voice of God. So for you and me, daddies that are, and daddies that will be, stand. I want every one of you daddies that are, daddies that will be. You might not be a daddy yet, but you, you intend to be. I don't care how young or old you are. Even you young men. Even you young men, stand up. That's your heart. Are you ready to command? Yes, you are. Are you ready to command? Yes. And yes, we are ready. We're taking responsibility. And sometimes, sometimes, daddies, keep in mind that not all of Abraham's seed came out of the tent that Isaac came out of. You need to hear what I'm telling you. Not all of the generations after him came out of his and Sarah's tent. Came out of a tent down the road that came out of a tent from there. Came out of a tent a thousand years later that came out of a tent from there. Sometimes when one forfeits a seed, Don't ever miss a moment to command what the Father brings into your life. I've listened to people over the years that I've known, some of them that I've just heard. Stay standing, fathers. But I've listened to people talk about adopted children, talk about this child or that child or a child that didn't come right out of their own bloodline. And they've talked about them like somehow they were second best. I want to tell you today, if the Father gives you seed, if He gives you a generation to command, Daddy, be Daddy. Daddy, Father, 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 Father. Don't buy the lie of the enemy. That seed that came out of a tent 
from somewhere else and you are given responsibility over it, don't buy the lie that somehow it's not yours. Take responsibility. Command the seed so we can change the world around us. You hear me today? I've listened. And I've heard. And I've heard the stories. And every time I hear those stories, I remind those people. If they're saying it to me, I remind them. Let me tell you whose house I came up in. I didn't come up in the tent that I came out of. (laughs) I came up in the tent I was assigned to. In the tent I was assigned to, I never knew. I never knew the way my Ibra Parker didn't treat me any different than he did his own biological son. I never knew a difference. Because he commanded this seed. He recognized this is what I have been given. And I'm going to own the moment. That is a father. That is a daddy. So fathers, I'm saying to you today, first of all, I'm saying to you, Happy Father's Day. To some of you current, to some of you prophetic. But I'm saying to you, Happy Father's Day. And I'm telling you today, when the Father begins to release to you, and if He's already released that seed to you, and that next generation is under your responsibility, I'm saying to you today, command the seed with righteousness and justice. Don't sow into that child a Sodom mentality. Don't sow into them a worldly mentality. Begin to tell them, if you will turn your face to the Father, He will in every way lead you directly you, guide your steps. You will not see color. You will not see this class or that class. You will not see this nation or that nation. You will see righteousness and justice and it works all over the world. Not just here or there but everywhere. Command your seat. We have a responsibility. What are we going to do with it? Let me say this. Let me wrap it up with this. If for any reason, until today, you've been reluctant to command that seed. I'm going to say, let me make it plain. If you're a stepfather, I don't know to whom I might be speaking, but you might be watching on this video. If you're a stepfather and you feel like you don't have the authority to command that seed, first of all, before you marry somebody that has children, You better make sure that you can command the seed as though it's your seed because it will become your seed. And if there's ever the sense that that's her seed and not my seed, it'll never work. Don't do it. Until the two can become one, everything that comes with those two becomes one. Somebody needs to hear me. I am today the image of Ibra Parker who you will never see. But you know Him because you know me. You are the image of somebody today that I may never see. And if that image needs forgiveness or repentance or change or healing, let it come today. Let it come today. So that to the next generation, you have an impact, not of division. You have an impact not of hatred or anger. But you have an impact of grace and forgiveness 
and trust and righteousness and justice so that God is glorified. Can somebody say amen? amen? Father, today, I bid every man in this place happy Father's Day. But I don't say happy Father's Day just so they'll be happy. Some fathers don't need to be happy today. They need to not be happy until they get it right. Some fathers need to recognize that if it's not right, how can I celebrate what's unrighteous? Let me repent so that then I can be a happy father and sow into the generation what I was created for. Father, I lift my voice over these men today and pray if there's any online or in this building that need to hear your voice. If change needs to come to one or more, whomever they might be, change needs to come. Healing needs to come. If they need to forgive, if they need to repent, I pray today that you will do your work and that you will do a perfect work. Let nobody under the sound of my voice today, walk away carrying baggage. But today, let us lay it down. Pursue your word. Pursue what you called us to be. And change a nation. Change a world. Change a world.